All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Grow Church. So good to have you with us today. And I especially want to welcome those of you who are attending our Minneapolis campus. Today is the grand opening, and we are cheering for you. All throughout the Twin Cities, there are people cheering for you in Minneapolis right now. It has been a dream of ours to love and to serve the people of Minneapolis for a long time. I've got a picture to show you of the first ever service that's taking place right now. That's happening in Minneapolis. Yeah, it's worth clapping for. There are 1,100 people that are in that building for our first ever service. Over 1,000 for just the first service. And we've got a whole nother service to come at 11 that will be as big or bigger. Unbelievable what God is doing. And we truly believe this is the start of something that God is going to do great in the city of Minneapolis. And so, so grateful to have all of you, 1,100 of you at the first service, a part of that. Uh, today, we are beginning a new series called It Would Take a Miracle. 16 years ago, we launched a campus in Spring Lake Park, and we did this series, It Would Take a Miracle, and it has become historic in the life of our church. As we launched Minneapolis, we thought, what better time to bring it back than right now? Not only that, but on Easter of this past year, we asked all of you to fill out cards, and thousands of you responded, and what we said was, write down the miracle that you are asking God for in your life. And we prayed over those cards as a staff. And we've built this series on what came back and what we saw in those cards. And I just want to read a few of them to you. One person wrote in and said, My husband grew up in the Catholic Church but has drifted away and become skeptical of religion. It would take a miracle for him to become a believer. Another couple wrote in and said, It would take a miracle for us to have a child. We have been trying to have children for two and a half years We've had four failed fertility attempts. Another person wrote in and said, it would take a miracle for me to stay sober. Another person wrote in, it would take a miracle for me to be pain-free. This person had been dealing with physical pain for several years. Can you relate to any of those? If I were to ask you to finish this sentence, it would take a miracle too. How would you finish that sentence? Now, what I didn't tell you about all of those requests that I just read was that God answered those. Those weren't just cards that came into us. Those were emails that came to us weeks and months later. So one woman wrote in and said, hey, I, I asked that God would do this miracle that my husband would become a believer and you won't believe it. But he started coming to church and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And it was a miracle. The person who was trying to have children wrote to us several months afterwards and said, I don't even know how to explain this, but, but we're pregnant. After two and a half years of dealing with infertility, we found out we're pregnant. It's a miracle. The woman who was dealing with pain wrote into us and said, I've been pain-free for several months, and the doctors can't explain it. I can't either other than to say that God did a miracle in my life. And I share that with you because I believe that we serve a God who is bigger and who can do more than we ever ask or imagine. But I also believe that there are many of us who have prayed and asked God to do a miracle in our life, and we haven't seen it happen. I'm going to talk more about that next week and then in a few weeks after that as well. Today's message is titled, It Would Take a Miracle to Find My Purpose. For spring break this past year, our family took a trip out to California, and I learned something about my wife and I, that we approached the first day of vacation very differently. 
My goal on the first day of vacation is to get to my destination as fast as possible. My wife's purpose, my wife's goal on the first day of vacation, even if we're just traveling, is to enjoy herself. These are two very different purposes. Here's how this plays out practically in our family. I want to get to the airport early. My wife complains that we're just going to end up sitting around. When we get to the security checkpoint, I set a stopwatch. I'm like, how fast can I get my belt off, my shoes off, get through security, get the belt and shoes back on? And then I end up sitting on a bench, waiting for my family to come through. When we're walking through the airport trying to get to our gate, I want to get to the gate as fast as possible. My wife likes to stop and take pictures. I don't want to take pictures. I'm not happy taking this picture right now. Can we just get to our gate? Once we get to our gate, I sit there. My wife just kind of throws down her luggage and wanders off to Starbucks. I stay at the gate, and then I start texting her. They're boarding zone one. You're going to miss your flight. You better get back here. On the way down to California, my wife sitting next to me turned to me and said, hey, when we get there, I really want to go see the ocean on the way down to our place. Let's just, let's just not be in a hurry. Let's just go to the beach. I smiled. <laughs> I don't remember committing to anything. Now, this is a matter of dispute at this point. But when we arrived in California and we got our, our rental car, my wife put Newport Beach into GPS I put our, G our destination, our condo, into my GPS. And so when we got to the first stop sign, my wife said, take a right. And the British lady on my phone said, take a left. I listened to her. I took a left. My wife said, what are you doing? I said, well, let's just go this way for a little bit. And this happened for the next half hour or so. My wife would say, take a right. I'm like, mm, I'm going to go left. I wanted to go my way. I wanted to listen to the voice that I wanted to listen to. And my way didn't work out that well. GPS took us through some of the worst neighborhoods in Los Angeles. As someone who grew up listening to rap music in the 90s, I did enjoy yelling out, Inglewood, always up to no good. <laughs> I knew like every street sign. I'm like, oh, Inglewood, yeah, I, I remember that. But the traffic was terrible. It took us five hours to get to our condo. It should have taken us three hours. I found out later that if we had just gone to the beach and kicked back and had some lunch and relaxed, we would have gotten to our condo at the same time. I learned that information from my wife, <laughs> who every 15 minutes or so would remind me we could be sitting on the beach right now. Now, here's the point of this story. I wanted to go my way. I wanted my purpose. I wanted to listen to the voice that I wanted to listen to. But my way didn't work. My purpose was misguided. And this will go down in our family as one of the worst travel days we've ever had. As I thought about it, I wonder if there's a spiritual analogy there. Sometimes God says, go right. And we say, I'm going to go left. And we know where God wants us to go. We know what God wants us to do. But we instead say, you know what? I don't want to go that way, God. I want to go my way. I want my purpose. I want to listen to the voice that I want to listen to, which is my voice. 
God has a purpose for your life. But here's the question that I want you to consider today. Are we living for God's purpose or are we pursuing our own purpose? Proverbs 19.21 says it this way. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We make plans in life, but God has a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. He has a reason for you to get up in the morning. He has a reason for you to live. I love how Ephesians chapter 2 says this. It says, for we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God has a purpose for your life. It's to do good works. It says that God prepared those good works in advance for us to do. God has good works specifically planned for you. Purposed for your life. But here's where many of us struggle. We just kind of wake up in the morning, we take a shower, we go to work, we go to school, we do the laundry, we get the kids to practice, we go to our practice, we do some homework, we watch some TV, we go to bed. And the whole time there's something nagging inside of us going, wait a minute, is this it? What is my purpose in life? Here's what I want you to know today. God has a purpose for your life, and you can discover what that God-given purpose is. And when you start living in God's purpose, you are in the sweet spot of your life. So today, I want to give you three ways that we can discover what that God-given purpose is. Here's the first way. It's to stay connected to God. In John 15, here's what Jesus says. He says, I am the vine, and you, me, we're the branches. So, so don't get it mixed up. He's, he's the vine, we're the branches. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, then you are going to bear much fruit. But apart from me, apart from being connected to me, you can do nothing. See, a lot of us, when we start talking about our purpose in life, we think of our career, we think of our job. If I were to ask you, what's your purpose? Most of us would start thinking, well, my purpose, you'd start telling me about your job or your career or what you feel like you want to go into someday as you get older. But your job, your career is not the same as your purpose. When you retire, you still have a purpose for your life. Our purpose in life is to bear good fruit for God. That, that's the purpose. That's the purpose for your life, and that's the purpose for my life, which is why Jesus said this. He said, if you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Naturally. Think about this. A branch doesn't have to try real hard to produce good fruit. A branch doesn't sit there and go, oh, okay, I'm going to really work hard and try to produce good fruit. No, no, no. If the branch is connected to the vine, then it's naturally going to produce good fruit. But what happens to a branch when it gets broken off? Well, it withers and it dies, which is why Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, production is determined by connection. 
Production is determined by connection. We live in a world where it feels like the opposite. It feels like if you want to be connected to your boss in some way, you better produce. If you want to be connected to your coach or your teacher, well, you better produce. Some of us grew up in homes like this. You grew up in a home where the not-so-subtle message from your parents was, get A's and we love you. Get A's like your brother and sister and we love you. If you're scoring lots of points, we love you. If you're riding the bench, we're disappointed in you. How did that work out for you? Most of us go through life thinking that we have to produce in order to connect. And I hope that you know today that God is not like that. I hope you know that God doesn't say, hey, you have to do a lot of good works and then you can have a relationship with me. I hope you know that God doesn't say, hey, clean up your act first, then you can maybe come to me. No, God says, come to me and let me clean you up. Your production is determined by your connection. I read a headline from 2020 that cracked me up. This is a real story. Here was the headline. California mom crushed to learn that the plant she watered for two years is fake. <laughs> this was a real story from the Associated Press. Let me read to you a quote from Kathy Wilkes. She's the mom of this fake plant. She said, I was so proud of this plant. It was full, beautiful coloring, just an overall perfect plant. I had a watering plan for it. And if someone else tried to water it for me, I wouldn't let them. I wanted to take good care of it. You might wonder, how did she ever figure out that this plant wasn't real? She tried to transplant it. And as she's transplanting it, she realizes, wait a minute, this is not real. This is a fake plant. I have so many questions about this story. The first one is, why did she tell anyone? <laughs> if the Associated Press came to me and said, is it true that you've been watering a plant that's not real for two years? I'd be like, fake news. <laughs> no comment. Like, I, I'm going to the grave with that story. I'm not telling my wife, my kids, no one. Here's my second question. Where was the water going? She's watering a fake plant. Where, where did the water go to? But can you imagine putting that much time and energy into something that was never going to produce anything real? Sadly, that's how some people go through life. Sadly, they're not connected to Christ. They're not connected to the vine. And so they're not producing fruit naturally. They're not producing love and joy and peace and patience naturally from their life. So they try to fake joy. And they try to fake peace. And they try to fake having a purpose, but it's the real thing isn't flowing from them. Let me introduce you to Buddy Branch. Buddy Branch has an Instagram page, so he knows what's cool. And so one day he goes down to the Mall of America, he gets some swag. He, we now call him Swaggy B. He's just kind of, he wants to look good. And then he says, well, I need some shoes. And so he goes and he buys some Jordan 1s, OG black white. If you're not familiar, it's a limited edition Jordan. It's one of the first ones. If you want to purchase one, save your money. The last one that sold on StockX went for $32,000. 
but now Swaggy B's got some Jordan 1's. From there, he's like, you know what? I need an iPhone 14 Pro. So he goes over to the AT&T store and sells his soul for 10 easy payments of $107. (laughs) He then decides, I need something to drive. So he goes and gets a Dodge Charger. He leases it for $297 a month. Early lease termination fees may apply. And (laughs) then he watches a movie and he falls in love with the actress. Barbie just happened. I don't know how this happened, but he just, he fell in love and they got married. He went and got a job, has his own cubicle. He bought a black lab and now he's sitting down to live a happy and fulfilled life. But is he happy? Not really. Is he fulfilled? No, he's not. His phone dies at 3 o'clock every single day. Barbie left him for some guy named Ken. (laughs) and saw that coming. His credit score is terrible. He's in $90,000 in debt. He doesn't really like his job. And when he got home late from work on Monday, his dog had peed on his Jordans. Now, I'm sorry to be so graphic, but I just, you had to feel his pain. Here's the problem for Buddy Branch. He's not connected to the vine. He's missing out on his purpose in life. His purpose is not just to build a business, make a lot of money, start a family, retire early. If that happens, great. But that's not his purpose in life. His purpose in life is to produce fruit. And if you miss that, then you miss everything. If you miss that, then you go through life consistently feeling empty and as if you are missing your purpose. Jesus says, you're like a branch. I'm like a branch. And a branch is valuable. A branch has purpose. But it only has purpose when it's connected to the vine. And so the question I want to ask you today is this. Are you connected to the vine? Every morning I try to wake up and I open up my Bible and I say, God, I I want you to speak to me. And then I spend some time praying and talking to God about what's going on in my life and and in my heart because I want to know God and I want to be connected to him. And what I have found is when I do that, my purpose starts to naturally just flow out of my life. Naturally, I sense God leading me in a certain direction. I sense God speaking to me. Something will happen that day, and I'll just know this is the good work that God had purposed for my life. Are you connected to the vine? You got to pick a time and you got to pick a place. Otherwise, I can tell you from personal experience, you will not do it. You will wake up, and all kinds of other connections will vie for your attention. I got to connect online. I got to connect on my email and respond. I got to connect to that Zoom meeting. I got to connect with that person. All these other connections will take up your attention. But the most important connection for every single person is to be connected to our creator. Sometimes we think it would take a miracle to find my purpose. Actually, it doesn't so much take a miracle. It takes every single day saying, God, I want to be connected to you. Like a branch is connected to a vine. Here's the second way to find your God-given purpose, and it's this. Don't you dare compare. I get that language from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where Paul writes this, these words. He says, we do not dare 
to classify or compare ourselves. Don't you dare compare. Living for the approval of other people is one of the surest ways to miss out on the purpose that God has for your life. When we start to forget about God, that's when we start to be obsessed with what other people think of us. In his book, Attacking Anxiety, pastor and author Sean Johnson told a story that had me a little choked up. And it started when his garbage disposal broke, which is not normally the start of an emotional story. But he called someone to come over and fix it. It was a friend of his. His friend brought a young man with who was kind of learning the business. And so when they got done fixing the garbage disposal, Sean said to his friend, like, hey, what do I owe you? His friend said, well, you don't owe me anything. I do it for free. But here's what I do want to ask you, Sean. I want you to do this young man's wedding. I want you to officiate his wedding. Sean's like, can I just give you 100 bucks? Like, I kind of put him on the spot, but, but he couldn't refuse. And so the next week, he was meeting with this young man whose name was Brian and his fiancee, Kelly. And they were starting to plan this wedding. And Sean writes, he said, I quickly realized this was going to be one of the smallest weddings I had ever officiated. Six or seven people were going to be there. Nobody from Kelly's family was coming. Brian said it was going to be his parents and maybe a couple siblings. They were going to do the wedding on the side of a mountain about a half hour from where they lived in Denver on a Tuesday. Sean was like, that's a strange time to do a wedding. Right around that same time, Sean says that he was struggling with the comparison game. He would go on social media. He would see other pastors from large churches who were speaking at conferences bigger than the ones that he was speaking at. They were hanging out with famous and influential people. He said, they dressed better than me. They spoke better than me. They took better vacations than I did, or at least it appeared that way for my phone. So one day, he finally got a private invite to this event with 10 of the most influential pastors in the country. They were going to go out to Alabama, and they were going to visit the Alabama Crimson Tide locker room, and Nick Saban, who was the head coach of Alabama, one of the most famous, influential college football coaches in the country, was going to give a leadership talk. Sean was like, yes, I finally arrived. He called his assistant. He said, hey, book my flight out to Alabama. His assistant called back a half hour later and said, you remember that wedding on a Tuesday? That's the day that Nick Saban is giving that talk. Sean called some friends and said, hey, what should I do about this? And they all said the same thing. They're like, oh, this is easy. Find another pastor to do the wedding. I mean, come on, there's six or seven people. It's not worth your time to do that, to miss out on this great opportunity with Nick Saban. I mean, just find another pastor to do it. But Sean said the more he prayed about it, the more he didn't feel like he could do it. And so on that Tuesday afternoon, he found himself walking up the side of a mountain in a blizzard. He performed the wedding, and as he was walking back down the mountain, the groom's dad stopped him and said, Pastor Sean, thank you so much for doing this wedding. It means so much to us, especially given Kelly's, that was the bride, her story. Sean said, what, 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 what's Kelly's story? The, the, the dad said, what, what do you mean? They didn't tell you? He said, when Kelly was five years old, her father committed suicide. When she was 17 years old, her brother snapped, brought a shotgun into their house, shot her mother in the kitchen. She died. 
Her sister jumped out of a second-story window to get away from her brother. She broke her back. She's been a paraplegic the rest of her life. Said Kelly went and hid in the bathroom as her brother was shooting through the door, and that's when the police arrived, and her brother took his own life. Said Kelly grew up hating God. She was an atheist. She could not understand how God would allow something like this to happen in her life. But one day, a friend of hers invited her to church. And Pastor Sean, it was the church that you speak at. And you were speaking that day. And your words touched her in the deepest part of her soul. And God began to heal her. And she started to dream and have hope that maybe one day she could meet a young man and they could start a family that would be so different than the family she grew up with. But Pastor Sean, her dream, her dream was to have you officiate the wedding. He said, I'll bet you wonder why the wedding was on a Tuesday. It's because today was her mom's birthday. Sean writes this in his book. He said this, I wanted to be like those well-known pastors with a million followers on social media. But not one of them could have performed that wedding for that couple the way that I could. I was the only person who could walk in my calling that day. Here's a phrase that I hope that you'll remember. I can celebrate their calling, but I'm going to walk in mine. I can celebrate when someone else gets chosen. I can celebrate when someone else gets recognized. I can celebrate when someone else is using their gifts and having some success. I can celebrate when someone else gets a scholarship. I can celebrate when someone else gets the lead role or solo. I can celebrate when someone else gets married or someone else starts a dating relationship. I can celebrate their calling. But I am going to walk in mine. Don't you dare compare. God has a unique calling for your life. He has specific good works purposed for you to do. The next time you find yourself looking at someone else and going, oh, I wish I had what they had. I wish I got that. I wish I had that. You need to remind yourself, I can celebrate their calling, but I am going to walk in mine. Here's the third way to discover your purpose, and it's this. Allow your pain to be your platform. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. It says, we know that suffering produces perseverance. And what does perseverance do? Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Just think about this with me for a moment. How do you learn perseverance unless you suffer? You, you don't. The only way to grow in perseverance is if you have something in your life that you're suffering through. That's what creates perseverance. And can you be a person of character without perseverance? And how can you be a person of character and not know how to persevere through adversity? And would you ever hope in heaven if there was no suffering here on earth, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. 
And may I add that suffering often leads us to our purpose. I know a couple that was divorced. They got remarried. And for years, they led our divorce care ministry, helping other couples who are going through a painful divorce. I know a man who was incarcerated for 20 years, got out of prison, became a believer in Christ, and now works with a ministry that helps men who are in prison. I know a woman who dealt with infertility for several years, who now writes a blog and speaks to help other couples who are walking that journey right now. I know men and women who were alcoholics and drug abusers who got sober and now they're helping lead Quest 180, which is our addiction recovery ministry. If you were to ask me today, you know, I just don't know what my purpose is. I'm trying to discover my purpose. One of the first questions I would ask is what has been the most painful event in your life? What is the most painful thing that you've ever gone through? Here's why. Your pain is the platform for your purpose. Your pain is often the platform for your purpose. It is the event or thing in your life that God is going to use to help you discover what your God-given purpose is. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that purpose is ultimately found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you are going to go through life and you're going to live by the highs and the lows, but there's always going to be this sense that you're missing something. There's always going to be this sense of what's my purpose? Have you had a moment in your life where you've said, God, I confess my sin, I acknowledge my sin, and I put my faith in Jesus? The one who loves me, the one who died for me, the one who gave his life for me. The one who paid the penalty on the cross that my sins deserved? Or are you today going, you know what? I just, I want to go my way, God. I want to fulfill my purposes. I want to listen to the voice that I want to listen to. I believe that some of you today, God brought you to church for a purpose. And the purpose is to say to you, stop living your way. Stop listening to your voice. Stop trying to fulfill your purpose. And follow God's way. Step into God's purpose for your life. And start to produce the good works that he has planned for you. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. To put our faith in Christ. And if you pray this prayer with me. Would you just take a moment as you leave church today. To text the word begin to 77888. And I realize it's like well why would I do that? Well because we want you to walk in God's purpose. And we want to give you some free resources that will help you discover what that purpose is and how to walk with Jesus Christ every single day. But I want to lead you in a prayer across all of our campuses. God, there are some of us here that your purpose for them today, right now, was to be in church to hear this message because you love them and you want a relationship with them. And God, maybe for many years, they've been saying, you know what, I'm, you say go right, I'm going to go left. And for many years, they've been just sort of doing what they want to do and following their way and their purpose. But God, you have something so much greater. 
So right now in this moment, Lord, they are going to say to you, God, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that what he did on the cross paid the penalty for my sin. God, I confess my sin. I acknowledge it. I turn from it. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I ask the God that you would give me the free gift of eternal life. God, I want to know what my purpose is. I, I don't want to go my own way and listen to my own voice. God, I want to step into the purposes that you have for my life. God, there are others of us here who have put our faith in Christ, but we've just kind of been drifting lately. Sort of just in the general malaise of life of just kind of get up and do the things that we need to do. And Lord, I pray that this is an opportunity to remind us that our purpose is to produce good fruit to be connected to you in such a way that naturally we'll just run into people and we'll just know, God, this is a person we're supposed to love or pray for or care for. God, you have a purpose. You have good works for their life, Lord, and I pray that we would discover what those are. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, next week, it would take a miracle to heal my hurt. This is a message many of you need to be at. You need to bring someone in your life to come and hear that message. We'll see you then.